this is Chris Westfall, and this is the FAI Weekly Podcast. With the economy heading into uncertain times and profits getting squeezed, how companies approach expense management will become a top priority. For financial executives, that means getting into the weeds of how money is going out and if procurement operations are getting the most value and efficiency out of their work. In this sponsored episode of the FAI Weekly Podcast, we speak with Matthew Smith, CFO and co-founder of FineTune, a consulting firm focused on getting the most value out of a company's procurement operations and indirect services. Great, Matt. Thanks for joining us today. Um, Obviously, a lot of these questions around how procurement works and how finance interacts with uh, procurement is at top of mind for a lot of our listeners. But I wanted to start off always with a little bit about yourself and and a little about the company you work for. Well, thanks, Chris. Uh, Happy to be here and discuss stuff that we are involved in at a granular granular level on a daily basis. My name is Matt Smith. I am CFO of FineTune. I've been a CFO uh, for about 25 years now. Um, Going all the way back, I've had a, a few different um, fairly long runs through kind of the whole private equity process, if you will, where, you know, from startup to growth to, to sales. So I started my career as a, in medical imaging, hmm. the medical imaging space and helped grow that, uh, and ultimately did a private equity deal, sold that company and then moved on and spent 10 years in the luxury automotive space, um, wow. as a CFO and which was, quite a departure from, from medical and, you know, more in, in a retail environment, lots of transactions, people everywhere, big facilities and real estate operations. And then, um, here more recently, I have joined fine tune full time. I'm, I'm a co-founder of, of fine tune. And so I've been tangentially involved for our, our entire history. Uh, Fine Tune was founded in in 2002 by a gentleman named Rich Ham, and Rich and I knew each other all the way back to our days at, at Indiana University. I was getting my MBA there. He was an in, in undergrad, and when I moved on and became CFO of the medical imaging business, Rich uh, called me up one day and, and said, "Hey, I you know I'm, I'm working for a, a uniform rental company, and I have this idea about a consulting business, how we could help." companies procure these services and potentially save them some money. And I had recently done a shared savings deal. Um, so was very familiar with the space and, and, you know, helped him get, get the business started. And, you know, that was, geez, that was over 20 <laughs> years ago now. And like I said, I've had these sort of day jobs over the years, but after we sold the car business uh, in late 2017, I stayed on uh, for about 18 months there help the the buyer uh you know through that transition and, and fine-tune was a you know just an awesome place for me to land and, and start applying everything i'd learned over these last 25 years so it's, it's it's been a fun uh transition for me to you know from working for large companies to you know now helping 
large companies solve some really, really significant challenges. Yeah. And that, that's great. And I, I think we can have a, a totally separate discussion at some point about like moving from industry to industry, you know, large company, to big company, because I think that's a lot of experience uh, that our members are, are, are dealing with. And uh, so that, but for a future discussion, but I wanted to, uh, maybe you could define a little bit what, what fine tune does and, and, um, what your role and and how you uh, think about that? So fine tune is, I think, broadly considered a category solution. Uh, I guess more specifically, we are a full service expense management business. So we we essentially manage a handful of really complex and troublesome categories uh, for, you know, increasingly large clients. I mean, everything from middle market on up to, you know, a fortune 50, uh, and, and we really do everything for them from, you know, data gathering, baseline assessment to sourcing and implementation of, of agreements, and then ongoing management and auditing after the fact, which as we, you know, kind of head further into this discussion, you know, that, that sort of third piece, that ongoing vigilant management and auditing piece is absolutely crucial to, you know, really achieving true expense management. Um, and so we really are a nose to tail solution in just a handful of categories. Yeah. And, and I want to dive, dive a little bit deeper into that. And, and if I understand correctly, you know, sort of works in the um, space of, you know, finance and procurement. So maybe you can level set uh, perhaps a little bit, you know, could you describe a typical procurement department and what that looks like and how it differs like between industries and, and the size of the organization? Yeah. I mean, I think there's less, you know, in terms of an industry variance and, and maybe more so in terms of just size. So, you know, mm. a, a procurement department can range anywhere from, a single person mm. being an entire department to all the way to having, you know, hundreds, if not thousands of people separated by, uh, typically we see it bifurcated, you know, from direct to the direct expense and raw materials expense on one side of the ledger and then indirect services and expenses on the other side. You know, as you move up the food chain, there's typically like a chief procurement officer, with then directors on either side of that equation, then with, you know, handfuls or, or teams of individual buyers that are responsible for, you know, a handful of categories or a basket of categories. And, and their job is to simply um, contract those services and for, you know, their organization. Um, and so that's typically what we see, uh, you know, and, and over time, though, I will say that We've seen a change over time, um, you know, here basically since the Great Recession, these this area has been getting increasingly difficult as, as these positions. And there's been just fewer resources dedicated to procurement. So we're seeing kind of a leaning out, if you will, of these departments. And, and the upshot is you know, more folks have, you know, more, you know, you have fewer folks with more responsibility and, you know, less ability to engage in expense management after deals go live. I mean, they're simply just order takers and mm -hmm. pushing paper and, you know, this contract's done, I'm moving on to the next one. And, and, you know, the, where the rubber meets the road in an expense management is kind of what happens after the contract is signed uh, in many instances. And so, um, you know, we're seeing less and less focus on that and just more on trying to just get the 
mountain of, of paperwork done, if you will, to, to get contracts completed and signed and move on to the next one. I want to follow up to that. That's a pretty interesting point. I mean, what do you see, you know, there's, we're certainly going into a, a period, well, we're coming out of a period of, of pandemic and, and scarcity and supply chain issues, and we're going into a, a certainly an un, um, uncertain period and financial period. Um, I would think that procurement would need uh, even more focus going forward in expense management. Is, is that the way you think about it? I do. I mean, I think one of the things that's happened here more recently is the pandemic and the disruption that that occurred in, in supply chains. And so, you know, I think from that standpoint, at least procurement and supply chain management has gotten sort of a renewed focus mm. because of the challenges coming out of the pandemic. But I think we're, we're also facing resource allocation issues as sure. well. And so, you know, procurement has not been typically an area that has received, you know, a huge amount of allocation of resources. So hopefully there's a bit of a balancing element there, though, mm. you know, just given what's in the recent rearview mirror of all these supply chain issues, in addition to kind of, you know, pandemic related sort of new challenges, all of a sudden companies were having to procure all sorts of different items for their organizations that they probably never even thought of right. you know, between hand sanitizers and masks right. and things. And and so it, it did bring it, you know, much more into focus in, in recent years. But, you know, I, I fear that you know, even though we might be heading into who knows what the period of uncertainty looks like, it doesn't mm. seem like maybe we're headed into more uncertain times ahead. Um, I would be shocked if we're going to see, you know, a, a massive investment in procurement resources in in today's environment move, moving forward. Right. Yeah. I know that's always the push and pull of not being a revenue generating, um, you know, uh, line of business, but uh, maybe, maybe we could talk a little bit about um, what do you see as the collaboration and the communication between procurement, finance, and the other departments, and how does that play a role in in, in sort of your your thoughts about uh, expense management? Well, I mean, it's absolutely crucial. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, what we're finding is you know there is not one party that's that's really quote unquote, in charge of expense management. I mean, it usually touches many departments, you know, between procurement contracting, you have, you know, finance may involved in resource allocation, you have accounting, paying the bills, you may have operation, operations is using the services and potentially approving and or signing off on them. Mm. And then as you move out of out or excuse me across the spectrum into like more complex expenses you have lots of other departments weighing in i mean you may have quality involved you may have security and and uh legal involved and now you have sustainability weighing in and hr so it can get really complicated as you move into more and more complex expenses uh especially um and in that those coordination issues don't just happen, you know, at scale. I mean, it's at the middle market too. I mean, these mm. we see these same problems happening over and over again, you know, across industries, and and you know, it doesn't really matter the size of the business. Although it gets increasingly harder at scale to coordinate all of these different departments, but everybody has their own silo. Everybody has their own pay plans and incentives and KPIs, and it's really hard to coordinate all of those things with an eye towards 
expensive in, in controlling cost. I mean, when you get quality or security involved as an example, I mean, all they care about is quality and security, you know, cost be damned most of the times. And, and, and a lot of times you see, you know, everybody's hair is on fire and we have to have something in place immediately when it is one of those more sensitive concerns. And, you know, we always say, well, is it, you know, security at any cost, right? You know, at some point, you know, there has to be a sensible conversation there that that involves procurement, that involves with an eye towards really managing these expenses. It, it's it really is crucial. We just see so often that you know different departments with different priorities are making decisions, and then procurement is just playing catch up. You know, they're trying to just get a contract in place. So the, the vendor's already there, you know, or the decision's already been made. And you're just in a terrible position to negotiate something, you know, that, that's competitive from a marketplace standpoint. So it's crucial. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I do think this is a, a major problem that we see over and over again. It's just really hard to coordinate. And so, you know, I, the way we think about it is, you know, expense management does need to have its own it needs to be its own thing mm-hmm. and there has to be a coordinating element there. And, and, you know, fine tune does provide that connectivity. A lot of times, you know, our business is, is built around managing expenses right. like this. So we can kind of help provide some of that connective tissue that organizations are lacking. But I, you know, speaking to this audience, I would be mindful of, you know, how the lack of coordination and the siloing of these different areas, you know, directly impacts, you know, the expense line and and the profit margins of your business. I want to get a little bit specific about something that you just said. And one of the things you talked about was the way contracts are put together. And I was, you know, reviewing some of the material fine tune. And and one of the things that came up was the, the theory of a good contract, bad deal. Can you explain what that means and, and why, you know, finance or CFO should be care about that? Yeah, I mean, you know, this has been something here. We've we've developed this term in the last few years as we've kind of continued to move up the food chain. And once we got to the Fortune 100 level, I guess I just assumed when we founded this business that, you know, eventually we would reach a point where just margins were super thin and companies that were you know, hundred billion dollar companies would have these amazing agreements mm. and hey, we're spending, you know, tens of millions in this particular area. And we would just have the best deal out there. We would be able to leverage our buying power to have just an awesome deal. And we've been frankly shocked mm. that, you know, we, we typically deal in per- savings percentages of 20 to 50%, but those percentages have held all the way up to the fortune 100 level. And the thing that we noticed was, this phenomenon you mentioned, good contract, bad deal. They all have good contracts. You know, once you get to Fortune 500, 100, almost every deal is on a master services agreement. Right. You know, some of these are hundreds of pages, you know, a hundred page long, a contract with all sorts of rights. And, you know, it's it's just amazing that, you know, when we sift through some of these documents, how you know, strong the contracts are. And even, you know, many, a lot of the pricing is really good mm-hmm. too. But what we find is there's gaps. And, you know, especially when you get out into the complex services end of the spectrum, you know, they, you need some expertise. You just don't know what you don't know. And there are gaps there. And as I indicated, you know, procurement, their job kind of ends 
a lot of right. times that the moment that contract is signed and then it's just, okay, left to the field. Hey, I'm going to lob that contract over a wall. It's going to go into a file folder somewhere. And then business goes on and you have vendors that have really dramatically adjusted and evolved their strategies to grow margins of the, you know, the business. And so the moment the job ends for procurement, these vendors are all immediately working to regain anything they gave up in those negotiations and then to grow it from there. Mm. And so we've seen this phenomenon of, you know, Hey, this awesome contract was just signed that goes in a file somewhere. And then business starts happening and things are changing. Folks in the field are buying new products. You have off contract items. You have, you know, uh, we see an unhealthy focus on price only as opposed to important terms. We say to our clients a lot of times, well, yeah, yeah, the price is important, of course. But what about the number you're multiplying Mm -hmm. the price by? you know, managing quantities and inventories and so forth. So there's, there's so much more to it. And, you know, our clients a lot of times are ill-equipped to deal with the vendor strategies that are simply getting more and more sophisticated every day to grow their business. And so that's what we mean by good contract, bad deal, essentially. Invariably, there are good agreements in place, but when the rubber beats the road and, you know, checks are flying out the door, it's like, what's actually on that invoice? And, and, you know, we're shocked most of the time when we marry those two up, um, you know, that, that many of our clients do have a bad deal effect uh, in practice. And so, you know, that is, that's what we mean by that. Um, and it's something that we see over and over again, doesn't really matter the industry at all. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's a recurring phenomenon. What's driving that though? I mean, is it just because companies are saying, running so lean staffing wise? Do they not have the um, you know the people or the the uh, resources to follow it? What's driving that? I think it's a few different things. It's it's this organizational disconnect for one that we talked about. Different areas of businesses have different priorities. You have procurement that is intimately familiar with the ins and outs of the actual agreement that should be governing the relationship, they're typically out. Mm. Like I said, the moment that contract is signed. So you, you have the people that have the most knowledge about what that contract says and what the relationship should look like move for, moving forward. They're typically kind of being removed at that point, just moving on to the next one. And then, you know, the folks in the field are just doing their job. You know, right. they're, they're, they're ordering stuff. They're, you know, worrying about quality or security or safety. And, you know, I, I, this is where that kind of coordination element becomes a problem. There's just, there is no focus on true expense management. It's really typically nobody's job, if you will. Everybody has a siloed uh, job and, and that coordination that it takes to, to really achieve true expense management you know, just falls through the cracks a lot of times, especially when you get into complex services and the more complex end of the spectrum, you know, widgets and so forth, you know, and you're buying just items, you know, uh, companies can do well with just, you know, negotiating a price and moving on, if you will. Um, But as you kind of move out that spectrum, it gets increasingly hard to coordinate all of those elements to, to really make sure you're getting what you signed up for. 
Maybe you could talk a little bit about, um, you know, the role of and the importance of software data analytics and sort of like driving the decision making and, and optimizing the process around procurement. Yeah, uh, this is absolutely crucial. I mean, look, everybody has software, data, and analytics currently. You know, almost any business. I mean, even the smallest businesses have AP solutions and and other software that, that's helping their business. But we've been just struck by how bad the data <laughs> typically is, or you know, the fact that organizations have grown by you know acquisition and they have multiple systems and multiple sources of data. Um, and it, it just, it makes it a situation where in in many, if not most cases, you, you have like a garbage in, garbage out situation. Right. I mean, this is really hard stuff when you're talking about a dynamic and changing organization to stay on top of your baseline. You know, we, we hear this a lot, you know, you're, the company might double in size and maybe at a particular expense category grows 30 or 40 percent. Well, that's up 30, 40 percent right. year over year. But the business doubled, yet people don't have the ability to say, well, yeah, I mean, it's only 30, 40 percent growth, but we had 100 percent growth on the revenue side. That's actually a good job. Right. Know, the, <laughs> the data is so bad that focus is really on just like year over year increases and in simple variance analysis. And, and that's just woefully inadequate. I mean, you have to know and normalize for each one of these expenses, especially in the complex end of the spectrum. You know, what does that number mean? Mm-hmm. You know, uh, in a vacuum, you could, in the example I just gave, that procurement or that that company could be doing an amazing job with only 30% growth in that particular expense. But in many cases, they're getting penalized right. in that situation. Or the converse is true. Oh, hey, yeah, you know, we, we divested two business lines and so our expenses are down. And then folks in procurement are getting credit <laughs> for reducing expenses that they had nothing to do mm. with. And so, you know, the data and the analytics piece of it is absolutely crucial like you know the first thing we do with any client is get all this data and then spend a ton of time making sense of it and figuring out you know what is the actual baseline here what is truly happening with this company and and that is a you know it's not easy it is hard work and and so you know i see why companies default to the basic of just variance year over year month over month kind of you know, basic analysis, but if you're really looking to drive real meaningful change, you have to get in the weeds in these calculations. And this is where this audience can really help, you know, this just can't be left to procurement professionals to do like complex calculations and and math, if you will. Um, and, And we hear it all the time that, you know, it's hard. It is typically left to procurement. Oh yeah. Well, here's my math and here's what the the savings is. And, Mm -hmm. You know, and then they have to go sell this these calculations to operators and other folks in the organization, and and those conversations don't typically go well. Right. And so, I do think that finance, and the finance and, and accounting areas of these businesses, have to help 
and really do need to be involved in the math. The math is incredibly important and it's hard. And so, you know, but but until you get to the point where you can really track and understand what you're actually spending on a site basis or a line item basis, and you can normalize for the ever-changing elements of your business, you're not even in the starting game. Right. You know, you're still, you're playing check, checkers and your vendors are playing chess and you just have no hope in that instance. You're really just, rea- it's just reactionary at that point. Oh my gosh, what, what happened here? Oh yeah, we spent double at this one site for this thing and the money's already gone. Right. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, I, I think that this is absolutely crucial. Crucial. Um, we spent a ton of time on, you know, the data and organizing it, cleaning it, and you know, this is, and, and then not to mention the future here with AI. Right. You know, AI is just being dumped on the marketplace, which is great. Oh, awesome! We have all these new tools, but. You know, we've seen all these hilarious examples with ChatGPT where, the, you know, it's hallucinating and getting all these bad answers and so forth and f- producing false information. Well, if you have bad data, it's really going to stand in the way of companies leveraging it moving forward. So it is absolutely crucial to, to do and, and to focus on and improve the intake of data and then the cleaning and organization of that data, you know, once it's in the building. Because it, it it absolutely leads directly to being able to you know properly manage expenses. One of the things you mentioned, you know, you, you certainly really caught my ear was the role of finance and accounting and how they can help and and the role of data. Is there any? I mean, always like to think about like what our members are thinking about. What what could what are the blind spots uh, that they need to focus on? So you know. Is it just broadly data or is there something specific? Is there a specific blind blind spot on the finance accounting side or even on the pure side that, that both need to focus on when it comes to the process? And and, and is are are there technologies that can help with that? Yeah, I mean, so we've kind of identified, you know, one of the issues here, but to me, you know, incentives matter. Right with all this, you know, people need to have, uh, you know, a a motivation to improve things in the right way, Mm. you know, to direct behavior, you know, um, this audience understands that incentives do direct behavior. And because there's so many challenges with data and how, you know, these calculations are so difficult, we have just, at least the, the business world has in many respects, just defaulted to really flawed incentive plans in the area of procurement. We see it time and again, where all they care about is year one or year over year is, you know, when they're signing multi-year service agreements with, with vendors, you know, well, okay, years two and three don't matter Mm -hmm. in those things. And, and, you know, as I indicated, you have the situation where, Many times the work is just beginning from an expense management standpoint at the point that contract is signed. Well, no one or not no one, but, you know, most organizations like cost avoidance, which 
is one of the main things that we do mm-hmm. as a company is help companies avoid those the, the escalation of costs right. and making sure they get they sign up for cost avoidance isn't even a thing mm-hmm. in many organizations in terms of anybody getting compensated for it. So you're not even incentivizing the right behaviors. You're incentivizing short-term gains only. You're you're not incentivizing the most important behaviors there. And then you have you know, even how they're being paid is is typically off of projections because the calculations are hard. You know, a lot of the pro- a lot of folks are just compensated. Oh, here's here's my projection of what I'm going to save over the next 12 months. Somebody signs off on it up the chain, and that person gets paid. So we're not even properly assessing what actually happened. Um, mm. And then you have other incentives. You know, where there are goals or targets for a particular year. You know. The goals are great and all, but they can be counterproductive at times too, mm. you know, and we see it time and again where come departments are just like, oh, I, I've already met my, my 10% this year. I want to defer that opportunity <laughs> to next year or I'll stagger savings over time. You know, I, 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 want, I don't want 15% now. I want 5% now, 5% next year, 5% the year after, you know, it's just incredibly counterproductive. You know, and so there are just a host of bad incentives here that are really causing problems in the system. And, and so, you know, when you talk about a potential blind spot, I, I would start there, you yeah. know. Um, uh, and, and so and then in terms of, you know, the technology, we kind of touched on it. We have to be able to do this, these difficult calculations. And again, that starts with really getting better data, cleaning it, understanding it, and, you know, then assisting and, and having, you know, finance involved in these kind of, you know, more dynamic and, and difficult baseline and normalization calculations that you absolutely have to do. Mm-hmm. You know, if, if the ground is shifting underneath you, you, you can't just do a year-over-year analysis. Like, you really do need to normalize to properly evaluate these people. Right. And I think all of this has kind of led to the flawed incentives. You know, that work is hard. You got bad data, multiple systems. People just throw up their hands. They don't have time for this. But I, I would argue that these fundamental flaws are are costing companies massive amounts of money. And, you know, we see it every day in our business. You know, we just see the same things time and again. And... You know, as I indicated, you know, we deal with these percentages of 20 to 50 percent. And this is a major part of it. You know, there's there's very little ownership of expense management. The incentives are not there for any of these parties. They're all incented in their own little silos. And then you, you layer in the problems with the technology. Um, and so, you know, but I, I would start with the incentives. I do think that that is the biggest blind spot here. Um, trying to better incentivize behavior. And then, you know, some of these other things will hopefully correct themselves over time. We'll get better at the calculations if people are being paid off those calculations. Right. And, and so forth. And, and, you know, I do think that finance has to, has to be the arbiter here. Ultimately, those calculations should not be left to procure because I, I, I think, you know, somebody else needs to keep score. Right. If you will, um, because we do see, frustration on the side of procurement when they try to make these arguments. Well, Hey, you know, my expense is up 30%, but that's actually a good thing. Right. It should have been up. 50. 
<laughs> you know? Um, and so, but they don't get credit in those situations. <laughs> Typically, in fact, they, they're sometimes penalized. And, and so, you know, again, I, I think incentives are, are a major factor here and working to, you know, improve the incentives and, and rethink these plans that, that most of these departments are, are paid from is a great starting point. Receptive are, are people when you, you, you tell them, you talk to them about this, because I, I, I assume, I got to assume you're blowing a lot of people's minds about like, you have to rethink your incentives, your compensation, your, um, your entire approach. Um, I, I assume it's a, um, an easy sell to top management because they see the, you know, they'll do the math and they'll see the number, you know, save more savings. But for the, um, actual finance department that has to work through it, how do you sort of like discuss those, uh, moving in that direction? It seems like a heavy lift. Yeah, it's a very interesting question because, you know, we typically don't get to sell into at the finance level. I mean, look, that's one of the reasons why we're talking to this group today, because I, this particular audience should be the most receptive right. to these messages. But typically we're talking to procurement. Mm -hmm. You know, this is this is we're talking about expenses that that department handles. And, you know, we're a third party that is looking to engage with an organization and, and they are typically the gatekeeper. So a lot of times. You know, uh, one of the biggest barriers to us getting a deal with a company is is a procurement professional that's that's worried about looking bad, yeah. or that you know we've had people just come straight out tell us, you know, hey, yeah, you know, you're right. We we have this thing, Chris, called the roller coaster, where and I can't show you the picture of it, but every you know every three to five years, so somebody does something, the costs shift down, mm. you know, a little bit, and then. Over the ensuing three years, it goes up. And then three to five years later, we do it all over again. Right. And somebody gets paid for a cost savings initiative three to five years from now. It goes down a little bit again. And then it just goes right back right. up for the next three. And they do it again. And we've had people directly tell us, oh, yeah, yeah, that's actually good. You know, <laughs> it's probably good if the costs go back up because we have some low hanging fruit to attack three <laughs> to five years from now. <laughs> um, and so, you know, we have to tiptoe around it right. when we're dealing with procurement. And, but with this audience, we can be very direct. Right, right. I am being right now because it's the reality. I mean, we see it over and over and over again. I mean, I would just ask finance, like how, how can these, these departments save 20% every time they negotiate a uniform or a waste management contract. Well, they're not actually 20%, right. you know, the costs escalated so much that waste management's willing to throw 20% or 10% savings your way because they were so far afield from where you started. <laughs> so anyways, you know, I, I do think that is, that that's, that's an issue. Right. And yet, you know, the, but procurement, it's not their job to, you know, go and change their incentive. Right, I right. Mean, that is, that is at the finance level. They're just playing by the rules they've been handed in most cases. Right. And so, you know, that's, that's the challenge that we typically face. We can't really have these conversations with procurement as much as we can with this sort of. So my final question is going to put your, uh, your future thinking hat on and, and 
really think about like the the future of the pyramid process, especially what we started with with discussion about like supply chain uh, processes, you know, completely upending in some some areas. Like what's going on in China and, and changes there, inflation. So, I guess from your perspective, what do you see as the future of the procurement process, and you know, how do you stay on top of this field going forward? Well, we've touched on a few of them. I mean, you know, just starting with better software and systems and better data. Mm-hmm. Like again, we have to have a solid foundation from which to work, and and you know that has to happen. And look, I, I'm confident that companies. We'll get there. I mean, you know, we're talking about AI now. Software generally is improving over time. Uh, you know, um, now I, working against that are, are the vendors themselves who are incentivized to make it more difficult. And we see this all the time, where just the invoicing process and the information they're providing you is is inadequate mm-hmm. to properly evaluate. So it's, it's this kind of game that's mm-hmm. going on. Well, companies got to get in the game. Mm-hmm. You know, they need better data. They need to do these calculations as a foundational element. And then separately, I do think somebody has to take more of an ownership over expense management. After these deals go live, it needs to be more of a focus on the ongoing management of these, these contracts that then get put into place. And so, you know, software, I do think is crucial to help perform those functions and perform them at scale. Mm. Um, and so, you know, kind of solving some of these historical challenges, I think is, is a true, it would be a huge amount of improvement, you know, and, and, but then staying ahead of the curve is, is a whole separate, right. You know, and I do think once you have some of these more foundational elements in place, you can start, you know, making an impact before the money leaves the building. I mean, we say this all the time. I mean, it's, it's extremely hard. It, possession is nine-tenths of the law. <laughs> I mean, once that dollar is gone, it's really hard to get it back. Right. Uh, even if you find through black and white non-compliance with an agreement, I mean, it, it is extremely hard. So the game ultimately becomes, how do you prevent the money from leaving the building in the first place? And, you know, being able to, eventually anticipate, you know, things kind of creeping up, you know, we've spent a ton of time in this area and, and, you know, with our systems and software development and the most insidious stuff that we've seen, we, we describe as more of a gray area mm-hmm. of expense management. I mean, there's black and white non-compliance. You have right. a price, they charge to something else. I mean, look, that most companies should be able to deal with that. Um, and, and most systems, basic systems, should be able to handle that sort of a variance. But but it gets really hard when you're talking about gray area stuff that is kind of technically compliant, where you know margin, excuse me, um, volumes of an item are growing, or inventories are just kind of gradually creeping up over time, mm-hmm. and vendors are just injecting li- little <laughs> bits of new product into the system. I mean, that is extremely hard to track and manage. And I do think, you know, there is a future state where software can detect those sorts of things and say, Hey, Oh, Hey, we've seen this before machine learning can, can kick in and say, let's, let's keep an eye on right. this. You know, there's a site that ticked up a little bit, two months in a row. It's not enough to, 
flag any variance calculations, but we're seeing a trend. And, and is that something we should be delving into at a detailed level? So I think there's so much low-hanging fruit, though, yeah. that just improving and, and getting in the game from a data standpoint and understanding the data and, and doing the hard work of monitoring uh, the data, I think, is an enormous step forward. I think companies will realize a huge amount of, of, of gains almost immediately from all this low-hanging fruit I'm describing. And then, you know, there are uh, opportunities to improve it from there as you get more and more sophisticated. The software is learning. You have AI involved. You can detect anomalies mm-hmm. and, and changes in more real time to then affect change again before those changes become ingrained and before too much money has has left the building so you know uh, i mean my message here the future is really now like we, we've got to just improve what we have right <laughs> um before you can you know i mentioned that the ai part of this you know you, you really have no hope of applying ai if if your data is right, that bad. right and so you know i do think getting back to the basics here a little bit is a great starting point but then from there yeah, uh, using software and AI and these, these emerging tools will allow for more sophisticated management moving forward. Great. Those are my questions. I really, really insightful. I really appreciate taking the time. All right, Chris. Thank you so much for having me.